Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where we learn all about building resilience in ourselves and helping others build it too. We draw from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching to help you face change and adversity and do more than just survive. We want you to thrive. We are your hosts, Heather Stables and Leah Davidson, and we are certified life coaches and speech language pathologists. We will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm, and become the very best version of yourself, version 2.0. Let's get started. This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 33, All or Nothing Thinking, with your hosts, Heather Stables and Leah Davidson. Hello, 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 everybody. How is everybody doing? I'm going to wait well, to hear people's responses. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> Email me, tell me how you're doing. Okay, Heather, I have a question for you. Yeah. Do you trust your own brain? <laughs> 50% of the time? Good answer. <laughs> you always know when you're talking to us, the answer to every question is 50%. <laughs> and actually 51% is the tipping point. Mm. Yeah, we don't have to get to 100%. We have to get to 51% to be. Oh, I like that. Mm -hmm. I like thinking of that when I think of zero or 100. I often remind myself, we don't have to get to 100. We just have to get to 51. Mm -hmm. And that kind of speaks to our topic today. But I still want to know, do you trust your own brain? I do. And I mean, I trust it more than anybody else's brain. <laughs> but 50% of the time. 51% of the time now. Well, do you trust it to always help you be alerted to danger and make decisions and to problem solve? Oh yeah, I'm skilled at that. Because our, our brain is wired to do just that, but I have some bad news for you. Tell me. That there are times that your brain may not be acting in your best interest. Mm. And it's not that it's going out of its way to purposely lie to you. It's mm -hmm. just that it may not have developed some shortcuts or it may have developed some shortcuts actually mm -hmm. that it thinks are helpful but they're really not. And of course, nothing's gone wrong. It's common for our brain to make faulty connections. It's actually expected. It's just how the brain works. That's right. That brain, it likes efficiency. Our brain thinks it can make connections between thoughts and beliefs and actions, and then it reinforces those connections over time, whether they're good for you or not. If you've been listening to us long enough, you'll see that we are constantly saying our thoughts are 100% optional. I know that sometimes it doesn't feel that way. It really feels like our thoughts are truth. And that's because when we think a thought over and over again, it becomes a belief. And this belief actually starts to feel like a fact. It is true and there's nothing we can do about it appearing in our mind. And what also happens is sometimes our brain, because it wants to be efficient, will think the same thing over and over and over and over over and over again and develop a pattern of thinking. And this works well if it's a good pattern or a helpful thought, but it's not so great when it's not. So we can get stuck in our own thinking and we actually call these thinking traps. Now in psychology, they also refer to these things as cognitive distortions. And it's really helpful to identify what your thinking traps are. And we all have patterns that our brain prefers and it gets caught up in them and nothing again has gone wrong. That's just how the brain is designed. However, it is helpful for us to know what our own thinking traps are. Yeah, so let's talk about these thinking traps. Essentially, they are 
cognitive distortions based on our perspectives we take on ourselves and the world around us. They are irrational thoughts and beliefs that we unknowingly reinforce over time. Now we create these patterns of thinking and often they are super simple and subtle. You might not even notice that you have them, but you do and it's okay, but it's good to try and identify them because you can't change what you don't see. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. And we want to identify as many of these thinking traps have been linked to psycho-emotional challenges such as depression and anxiety. So for your mental health, you want to get really curious about what thinking traps apply to you. Now, some thinking traps include jumping to conclusion, catastrophizing, tunnel vision, magnifying or minimizing, personalizing, externalizing, mind reading, overgeneralizing, all or nothing thinking, and the list goes on. You know, our sneaky little brain, it loves to set lots of thinking traps. That sneaky little brain. (laughs) And so for the next couple of weeks on our podcast, we are going to dive into some of these thinking traps. And today we're going to dedicate a whole podcast to a very popular one. In future podcasts, we're going to do a few at a time, but today we're going to talk all about all or nothing thinking. It's also known as black and white thinking or polarized thinking. And this thinking trap shows up as an inability or an unwillingness to see shades of gray. In other words, you see things in terms of extremes, either fantastic or it's awful. You believe that things are either perfect or they're a total failure. We know that the brain loves to be efficient. It wants to use as little energy as possible. So that's why it uses these shortcuts and why it really likes all or nothing thinking. Now, all or nothing thinking offers two ways, this way or that way. And the brain loves this kind of thinking because it gives the illusion of having some certainty. It loves to be thinking in terms of things as this way or that way, good or bad, right or wrong. Because if it has to start evaluating everything in terms of everything in between, that's a lot of work. It would get overwhelmed with so many choices, so it is much easier to just look at the two options. The brain often is in a state of confusion if there are too many options to evaluate. But obviously, this causes a problem because there are never just two options in life. And when we think that there are just two options, we are actually excluding a lot of things, a lot of people, and many different options. So we limit our life experiences when we buy into this way or that way. So as humans, we like all or nothing because there's no cognitive dissonance. What's cognitive dissonance, you may ask? Well, it's the mental discomfort that comes from holding two conflicting beliefs or values or attitudes. So it's kind of like the tension we experience when there's ambiguity or when something doesn't match. So it's like a mental conflict that we can have when our thoughts don't line up with our actions. So when we do all or nothing thinking, we live in this land of certainty. It's 100% good or 100% bad and nothing in between. Things are either one way or the other, and we get comfortable on our side, and then our brain wants to settle down there and prove itself right over and over and over. It doesn't want to waste time or energy evaluating other options. Now, it's important to say that all or nothing thinking can be a good thing sometimes. We don't want to have all or nothing thinking about all or nothing thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Gretchen Rubin, author of The Happiness Project, offers the terms abstainer or moderator. And her theory is that there are two types of people, those who do better by abstaining from things, 
completely resisting a temptation are moderators who can have a little or a bit. So for example, an abstainer might swear off sugar forever, whereas a moderator will cut back. Some people find it easier to never have anything ever again, whereas others find it too restrictive and want the freedom to have it occasionally. So according to Rubin, we have different personalities, but the abstainer is on the end of the nothing spectrum in terms of all or nothing. I either have it or I don't, whereas the moderator is in the shades of gray. So that may work really well for some people in some cases. I think it's just good to know that you are deliberately choosing and just to like your reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. But for many things, we don't even realize our brain goes to the all or nothing state. So let's look at some examples. So an obvious one is food. I either eat sugar or I don't. We are either eating healthy all the time or not at all. Or it can be in exercise. I run 10K or I don't run at all. I go to the gym daily or I never go. In relationships, it can show up as either love and adore the person or I don't. They are right or they're wrong. I'm a good mom or I'm a terrible mom. And it can show up in our work. I either do it perfectly or I don't do it all. It can show up in team sports. I'm either the best player on the team or I don't even play. Or we can even find all or nothing thinking in religion or politics. And we've definitely seen it over the past couple of years with the political climate. We label one group as good and one group as bad. But the reality is we all fall in between because that's what being human is. Now, the problem with all or nothing thinking is that it's unrealistic. It's rigid and it demands perfection. When you're using all or nothing thinking, you end up judging yourself and judging others, often unfairly. If you can only see two extreme categories, then people and experience will be sorted into these categories. But the reality is we know that people are flawed. So all or nothing thinking is focusing either on the perfect people or on the mistakes and flaws. So that's why we will often be talking about how people are good or bad, right or wrong, smart or not smart. This kind of thinking is obviously really hard on relationships. That's right. And it's also kind of ironic with all or nothing thinking that we use it as a shortcut to conserve energy and we like the certainty in it. But we don't just leave it at that. We actually want to have others agree with us. So we expend tons of energy trying to convince people that all or nothing thinking is the right kind of thinking. So we <laughs> end up losing a ton of energy anyways. And that is that what is what we saw in the political climate. I mean, definitely in the US, right? Not only were people thinking all or nothing, my side versus your side, but they were expending so much energy trying to convince other people about the all or nothing thinking that it's this side or that side. We also use all or nothing thinking as a way to bond with people and we take comfort in knowing that other people are in the same camp as us. And we keep then reinforcing these beliefs over and over and over with each other. And that actually further polarizes us. So essentially all or nothing thinking may feel like it's bringing us together, but it's only bringing us together with the people who already agree with us. And it's pulling us apart from the people who don't agree with us or from the people who live in shades of gray. And the reality is we all live in shades of gray because we are human. And another problem is, is if we avoid the shades of gray and only live in the extremes, we do become pretty judgmental and often lack compassion for the people who aren't in the same camp as us. When we ignore the shades of gray and reduce our ability to show compassion for others, we are actually reducing our ability to develop resilience and to grow and change. Growing resilience requires us to come up with different perspectives and to look at things from different angles, to tolerate being uncomfortable, to tolerate unpleasant feelings, even failure. So if we stay in our polarized camps, we miss out on all the growth that's available in between. 
There are many reasons why all or nothing thinking is not good for us, and in fact, will impact our ability to build resilience. So let's talk about how we can break through the thinking trap of all or nothing thinking. That's right. Well, the first thing that we can do, and it's one of the quickest ways of breaking out of all or nothing thinking, is to use the word and. Often we label things with or. This person is good or bad. They're right or wrong. I can agree or disagree. It's bitter or sweet. It's hard or easy. But what about if we insert and? Because there's so much power in this little word. It allows us to be compassionate for ourselves too. We can have a good and a bad day. We can be a good mom and a terrible mom. We can be a good partner and make lots of mistakes. It's very helpful to use the word and especially when we're disagreeing with somebody. We don't have to classify them as a terrible person because we disagree, we can simply say, I disagree and I love you. Okay, the second thing, procrastination and perfection are two things that go along with all or nothing thinking. Perfection is there because we think we have to do it perfectly or we might as well not do it at all. And sometimes procrastination is there because we don't want to get started because we may not be able to do it at all. In both cases, we need to break the all or nothing thinking and just get started. I'm a huge fan of five minutes. I've talked about this on the podcast before. Sometimes we can get really overwhelmed and not do things because we're indulging in the overwhelm. But if we break things down into five minute chunks, we can just get started. And once we get started, we can sort of allow momentum to take us over as it sometimes does, or we can find success in doing just the five minutes. Yeah, I love the five minutes too. And I'll give you an example of how it's worked in my life. So I love to read, but in the years past, I have not had time to sit down and read books for hours at a time. And when I was on vacation, I used to bring like books with me. Like I'm talking like five books and I'd read several of them at the time. And then I'd come home and I wouldn't read another book during the year because I never actually had time to finish the book. So I decided to try out the five minute strategy. I decided that I would read for five minutes every every day. And that was going to be my success. When I did that, I was actually able to read nine books in the year, just based on the five minutes. I also had the all or nothing mentality when it came to exercise. So in my mind, I was like, well, there's no point if I'm not going to do running, there's no point in going for a walk. If I didn't have a half an hour to go for a walk, there's no point in doing 10 minutes. And I've actually changed that now. And I do things in a lot of five minute increments. And that actually has made the biggest difference. And the consistency of doing small steps could reap great rewards, just like your nine books. So if you find yourself doing all or nothing, just decide to do a little bit. Okay, the last five minute strategy ties into this next strategy, and this is about redefining what it all means. That's right. And for me, it meant reading a whole book, whereas now it means reading for five minutes. So all used to mean like I got to go for a 45 minute run, which I was rarely doing. And now all means just getting out and doing at least five minutes. All doesn't have to mean to completion. All does not have to mean to perfection. We can redefine what all means and all can just mean getting started or doing just a minimum amount. I remember being a young mom and somebody telling me that you can't do it all. Like you can't be working full time, raising a family, seeing friends, keeping up with your house, participating in church and community, having romantic marriage because you're human and you can't do it all. And I was like, yeah, I totally see that. I can't do it all. But then somebody said to me, you can do it all. And I was like, what? (laughs) They said, you just can't do it all at once. 
And I love that because I redefined what all means. So I can have a list of all the things that I want to do in my life. I can do it all, but it doesn't have to be all right now. It doesn't have to be all to perfection. I get to decide what my all means. And for me, I found it so helpful to think of my life as seasons. And in different seasons, I would have different priorities. So my all is going to change in these different seasons. Mm, I love that. Okay, number four, another thing that can be helpful to bust out of all or nothing thinking patterns is to deliberately try to think of what is the gray in between. To brainstorm every different way you could look at the situation. Come up with really creative and outrageous ideas that allow your brain to get used to sitting in the middle. We spend most of our life in the middle of things, so we might as well get comfortable with it. So if my all is working out five days a week and my nothing is not doing any working out, I can get creative with my gray area by coming up with things like walking every second morning for 15 minutes or going for a bike ride on weekends, meeting a friend once a week at a gym, going to a community pool with my kids. There are so many different options in between. Yeah, it can get really fun to brainstorm what all the different options are in between. Now, the last tip number five we have to break out of all or nothing thinking is by asking ourselves powerful questions. Like we just mentioned, we could be asking ourselves, so what are the 10 shades of gray in between my all or nothing thoughts? What is the complete opposite of what I'm actually thinking? What do other people do? What are the pros and cons of the situation? What are the facts? And what is the story? How could I be wrong about this? All these questions will help us get to more of a healthy middle ground, be a lot less judgmental of others and more compassionate both ourselves and others. But another kind of question is asking ourselves, what are our values? I know that many times people don't want to go into this shade of gray because they have values that they want to uphold. And that's totally fine. As we mentioned before, sometimes all or nothing thinking is the way to go. So I'm not saying that everything has to be in the gray. You just want to be aware that it's your choice that you're making to be all or nothing rather than have it accruing behind the scenes as a default pattern to keep things running easily. But before you dive into the gray area, you may want to check in with your values. You may want to do a deep dive about why you feel the way you do? Are there some things that are non-negotiable? And this may be different for everyone. I think this can be especially powerful when we're dealing with children. So one of the biggest things I've realized having kids is you can't make everything the biggest priority. Well, you can, but then be prepared for a lot of battles. So you need to choose your battles. I like to think of them as having different containers or my friend calls them different baskets. So container A, container B, and container C. In container A are all the things that I highly value. So these are the things that I would say are kind of like my non-negotiables. So they're the things I used to say to my kids, like, it does not matter how hard you push. I am an immovable rock and I am not budging. Anything in that basket, usually it's going to be things that have to do with like their health or their safety that go in that basket for me. It's kind of like my all basket. Then I have container C, which is kind of all the things that I couldn't care less about. That's like my nothing basket. But then in the middle in container B are all the shades of gray. And these are the things that I may have something to say about them, but I'm also willing to negotiate and to let go. Dividing things up like that really helped me. Initially, I had so many things in my container A and nothing in my container C. So I really had to balance things out a little bit. You really want to focus on a few things that 
that are on in your container A. You really only want those things because if you have too many things in there, chances are you're going to engage in too much rigid all or nothing thinking. But these are the things that I do feel are non-negotiable and I feel confident sticking with them. But then there are the other things where I know I need to learn to be flexible and just let go of those altogether. And what you let go of will depend on you. It's going to depend on your values, but you will likely want to have a quite a few things in the container of all the things you don't care about. And then finally, container B is where you do embrace the shades of gray. Different people, different opinions, different situations, different seasons. It's going to depend. So that's an analogy that has really worked well for me. Those are the five ways you can work on your all or nothing thinking. Remember, nothing's gone wrong when you catch yourself doing it. We all do. It's just part of being human. And it's just being aware that it's a trap is so helpful so that you can be on to yourself. Listen carefully to the language you use in your mind, your thoughts, and out of your mouth. Things like always, never, that extreme language is usually a heads up that you're in all or nothing land. If you find yourself paralyzed with perfectionism or even having a hard time getting started with something, check in with yourself. Are you engaged? Aging and all or nothing thinking. If you find yourself being judgmental with yourself or with others, is it all or nothing thinking? So then you want to use and more than or, engage in five minute commitments. Just getting started can help you break out of perfectionism and procrastination. Redefine what all means. You get to decide. Deliberately find the gray. Look for it. Let your brain find evidence for all the ways that gray is the best and ask powerful questions, especially ask yourself, what do you value the most? So hopefully you have found some great tips that you can use to help break out of your all or nothing thinking. I think it is a common thinking trap. I know it's one that I definitely fall into. We would love to hear from you if you have any great suggestions as to how you break free of your all or nothing thinking. Then join us in the Building Resilience Club in our private Facebook group. Come on over. We talk about every podcast at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time in the group and we would love to see you there. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you are interested in a little bit of weekly motivation, want to be kept in the know about upcoming free classes and resources, new podcast episodes, and other ways of working with us, please go subscribe to our weekly email. You can subscribe at www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. Again, that's www.hl-lifecoaching.com forward slash newsletter. We'll see you again soon.